Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. On episode 45, we gave you a sneak peek of this important episode with Rachel Casanova of Cushman and Wakefield, who's in the trenches of how to view back to work from an owner and an employee perspective. In today's episode, Rachel spends a lot of time on accountability. Who is accountable for designing the hybrid work situation? If we leave it up exclusively to leadership, we may disenfranchise the employees and frankly, they'll leave. If we leave it up to the employees, will they have the best interests of the company in mind? One of the greatest ideas that comes out of this episode is working with employees to do scenario planning. From an agile framework, perhaps the solution is, well, here's a couple of options. Let's see what works. And it's only when managers and employees collaborate on coming up with viable options that they will design the best solutions to team anywhere. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Ginny Bianco Mathis on the East Coast, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast. Today, we're excited to have once again, we almost wish we had her every single time to, to she's, give- she's still our our most popular podcast ever. Yes. In numbers, yes. Yes, so that has to be said. So we keep asking her to come back, obviously. And and that is Rachel Casanova. She is the Tri-State Senior Managing Director of Workplace Innovation at Cushman and Wakefield, a branch of the strategic consulting practice. And also she's the founder of a balance set. Um, after working in the field of workplace strategy for over 20 years and helping companies transform their real estate assets to reinforce long-term business strategy, culture, integrated spaces, digital tools, technology, and performance goals. So both the structure and humanity of the workplace. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. I love that. I love that description, Ginny. Terrific, terrific. And today we are probing into just that. What is happening today with this a movement of what it means to go back to work. What does hybrid mean? Who has what accountability? What are these influences? And we see this as not having, oh, here's the answer. We see this that after a year and a half of reflection and experiencing, what might we put on the table now to help guide us going forward? And we hope to enlighten that space um, in today's podcast. So first, Rachel, what are these um, influences, these um, who owns what kind of space to begin with? Yeah, and I think you mean in that context space as in something a bit more figurative than literal. Um, And... 
this is becoming more and more interesting. I mean, we've seen some of the most inspired organizations engage their employees in achieving this greater goal, this greater good of a company, not a rules-based organization. We talked about that before COVID, that that organization who is strong in rules will get out of people what the job description says. The inspired organization says, this is where we're going. And how can you make a contribution that maybe no one could define yet, but you can knowing what you bring to the table. We would say that generally most organizations are not inspired ones entirely, that they are rules centric. Mm -hmm. And right now the rules are up for grabs. So we have so many examples within corporate industries, as well as, as we referenced on our teaser, the French Open and a, and a great talented Naomi Osaka, who really pushed back on the institution, who said, I know I'm supposed to do a press conference. I can't do it. And so interesting to see the institution find her and her supporters, both her peers, as well as her sponsors who chose to pay that fine are saying, no, our employee has a vote. And so right now we've seen many examples where employers have said, we need you back. And those examples where employees have felt emboldened, empowered, have agency to say, we're not coming. We don't actually believe in that. Now, one could say, are they inspired by the same outcome? Perhaps. But I think the duality of individual needs and thinking about what allows us to do our best work and the physical place where we do it is more closely tied together by leaders and organizations than it is by their employees. institution and a company and leaders say, we need you to come back to the office on these certain days, employees aren't necessarily following. We saw Apple, we saw their employees write a a letter, a plea to leadership, which leadership said, sorry, but this is what we want. We've seen other examples of organizations where employees have simply not followed that direction. And, And so far, I think what we've seen is that leadership and institutions have um, been willing to be flexible, maybe by no choice. We have a war for successful talent, for strong talent. And so the fear of, I will walk if you don't give me what I need, Mm -hmm. is real. And I think one of the things I reflect on is we all want to be in this ideal state where this is behind us. And it seems at an organizational scale, they're more willing to, to look at that and say, let's sort of temper our understanding of this disease of this pandemic and employees still feel that it's front and center. Oh, that's fabulous. And, and it's almost as if uh, the org, it's a, a, a bit of a trial and error. Well, let's throw this over the fence. You all have to come back. No, no, no. We're writing letters. We're protein. We're not coming back. Oh, okay. Well then let's try this. Which I guess you can appreciate the trial and error, which we've been saying we need. Um, however, you also wonder what it's going to do to the long-term livelihood and trust between employees and their employers. So I would, I love the statement you just said, Rachel, which was, um, a lot of employers are saying, let's get this behind us, which, which is really what I've, you know, that's been my experience is, okay, once this thing is over, which we have no idea it'll be over, then it'll be, it will be behind us. And we'll go kind of behind where we used to be. And I'm, I'm just wondering, will this ever be behind us? And, and is this, in fact, an opportunity, as you're saying, 
where we can write a new covenant together as employer and employee such that we can take this time and actually make it much, much, much better than it was before the pandemic. Yeah. And I think as, as you reflect on it that way, we've also said this, that anything we go do, and Ginny, you referred to this in the trial and error, we have to accept we will all grow from our next step. So we grew from everyone working from home. We will grow more. So anyone who wants to find the final answer is going to be ill-served, but the the next answer will help to inform and an organization grow and build that trust next. So we went home with a flip of a switch. The intention was we'd go back with the other flip. And we know from even the attempts of people going back, that's not the way. So recognizing that we should think about this in steps. Now, from my vantage point, I work with a lot of people in the real estate industry. Real estate, unfortunately, is not quite conducive when you make decisions every 10 years, maybe five years in today's world. Maybe the flex world is really our future because it says you can change. We embrace that. You rent seats now and you can change that number as you need differently. But those organizations who are leading with a real estate reduction intent, which feels right, is they're um, duplicating change. So instead of just worrying about the behavioral adjustments, they're also overlaying how we're going to use our space differently. And taking effectively what it means is if we're not going to utilize space as often, then we don't need as much of it. But the other side of that is means that employees are likely not going to have a dedicated seat. That's how you do it. If you have 100 people and 50 seats, you're going to find the seat available. We cannot um, put enough emphasis on that is something that has to be managed carefully. And that means having discussions like any change and keeping front and center. Hey, we're moving. We're trying and uh, dealing with uh, incorporating what we're learning on a consistent basis. And as people get annoyed and upset and, oh, my gosh, you have to keep folding them in and folding them in and accepting that as part of the new reality. Yeah. And we, we also talk about this agile approach to solutioning that the real estate professional cannot make a sole decision to say, let's drop 50 percent, 20 percent, whatever that number is. Just like the HR professional can't make the decision of their work from home policy in a vacuum, just as the CFO cannot say, I don't know, find me 30 percent of savings in my operating model. Right. If we all come and sit at the same table with those drivers, we will come up with better solutions. And by the way, the employees probably need a seat at that table, too. Maybe the seat at the at the solutions of the options. But to turn our heads to only look at one side of this is probably not representing an organization in its entirety. And we've lived that way. We've lived in silos. On the real Mm -hmm. estate side, we have always talked about having HR and IT and leadership in the room, and they still work to different goals. Right. This is this huge opportunity. If we're going to do this and do this successfully, we need to banter back and forth how to solve that without being at the expense of another part of the organization. Oh, that's, oh, I love that. And then there is also the um, design thinking and thinking things differently. It almost reminds me of basic negotiation. No, I don't want you to build that highway 
in uh, in my backyard. Well, why not? You know, well, because of A, B, C, and D. All right. Well, how about if we put barriers up? How about if we give you this much of a tax break? Thinking differently of what it means to uh, maybe it's a voucher and I can go to Starbucks and work. Yeah. New ways of thinking about. You know, it's um, you know, we have a, we're a lot of coaches on this call. We um, we, we usually will talk to a, a department in a company or departments in a company on how to be innovative. Now, Rachel, what you're, you know, you're, you're basically asking a company is to say, okay, I want a dialogue, you know, with, with leadership and with all employees on how we're going to create this new, this new way that we get together or not get together. And that's really tough. That, that's, oh, yeah. It, is. You know, it I, also is inherent that that's a two-way conversation. Yeah. And that is not even, you know, pushing content to all of our employees. But I do believe that every employee right now, every one of our citizens feels that they're looking out for all of their situations. Uh-huh. Their that's perspective. Right. How would you approach how would you approach uh, a a company, a large company having those conversations between leadership and between, you know, a thousand employees? So we're doing it in a multiple multiple ways. Um the sort of uh, methodology that we would deploy typically is hearing from leadership. So whatever we have to do to hear leaders' voices, they are shaping the direction. So first, it's understanding their aspirations and asking some difficult questions that we know are going to come because other people will have a voice in how they interpret that. Then it's talking to management to understand how far those ideals are from how they're managing bits of the organization. And we use many tools. The easiest one to get far out there are surveys because we can hear anyone who is willing to participate. Um, but that's not necessarily scalable when you go beyond the thousand, right? So, or beyond 10,000 at some point, lots of surveys. And we're not great at self-reflection. So, and you're asking people while sitting at home with a child who might need some help on something or all these things, you're asking them for to answer something that may be harder for them to imagine. Um, we also do a lot of focus groups. I'm working with a company that has 600 employees right now. And we uh, spoke to the leaders of their employee resource groups. And we did it individually. And then we did it together. Because if you just combine them, those underrepresented voices aren't loud right enough. right so it's reaching not just into an org structure but reaching out to those influencers and then the other thing that we are piloting and trying to deploy is using something called organizational network analytics which was originally done through surveys but what we can look at is the digital footprint of how we work together by looking at email um, teams or some sort of instant messaging phone calls um, even shared documents. So the digital footprint that we now can reference, understanding privacy considerations, which limits some of what we can gain, yeah. but we can actually see how relationships are changing over time. And if we believe that things like the water cooler, seeing people, all these things matter, this is a, informing us in a way to see, let's see how those relationships are really changing. Were we recognizing that people form relationships through chat groups and things like that, and through international teams, maybe that's not real. Maybe place isn't what we think it is. 
or maybe it is. But right now we are hungry. And, and the beauty of that, Mitch, is that it's a passive way of doing data collection. Yes, I love it. it. But it's, it's really, you can't, um, there's not a lot of ways to skin that, you know, to, to make it faster. You have to be willing to listen and people understand that and they know it. And we can also engage people as champions to go listen to others as well. Um, but as I said, it's, it's focus groups, it's interviews, it's listening in surveys and using some of these passive methods to really understand. And, and I will say, there's one thing to ask those questions with an open book. What's wrong? What's right? The next way to do it, and we try to go back and do this again, is we go with solutions. So rather than that email that says everybody come back and then no one coming, what if we just say, let's suppose these three scenarios, let's put mm. a solution out there like and let's that. get the feedback and say, how would you make it better? Excellent. Oh, I'd love the, the biggest gift so far for me is talking about that organizational networking analytics, having seen some of that, and you can look at the nodes and where the most activity is, and you can put that in front of the decision makers and employees and say, interesting, you feel this way. Here's what's actually happening. Well, let's pivot uh, a bit and move into with all this um, trends and influence. Where does accountability come in? Who's accountable for what? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, this has gotten so interesting. When we teased this out in June or July, Ginny, what we were talking about was, um, you know, who's responsible for me getting to work safely? Who's responsible for my childcare if my children are home from school? And employees who used to accept a job, and that was on them to be able to do the job, have it has somewhat pivoted to what is an employer going to do for me and what will they help to make this an easier time? So whether that was backup childcare or help with tutoring for students or anything with healthcare or testing and things like that. The thing that's really interesting to me right now in accountability is this idea of mandates to vaccines. Because the question is, who is responsible and and OSHA plays a part and the legality plays a part, but who is responsible for creating a safe, healthy environment for me? And so should organizations mandate vaccines or health status? Should employer employees make that decision of what they feel safe? And now we've even shifted into mask mandates at work. Yes. And who is accountable for that? And if I have a discomfort with another employee, how does the company want me to handle that situation? So if we're reporting on each other and there have been ugly little situations, I know this person's not vaccinated and they did something that is against our rules. Are we trying to create that or what accountability does an employer have to manage that situation? And we're seeing it all over the board. Um, we're seeing everything from, you know, it's absolutely a requirement. We've seen that. We've seen it quite a bit now in the U.S. that that the mandate for anyone over 100 employees um, and then we see other parts of this country and other organizations who say we're not going to mandate it and we don't want to know your status. It's up to you to do the right thing. And I just think the accountability of what an employee expects from their employer in this is getting um, is getting very interesting. Oh, it we, is. Saw, we, we talked about this a few months ago that um, 
the Houston Methodist, right, who mandated vaccines and actually saw some portion of their population either quit on their own or be let go because of their unwillingness. We saw University of Indiana at Bloomington who insisted on it and there was uh, it went to the courts and the courts supported the university. Yep. So there's now some precedent, but I think we're waiting to see more precedent. Um, even in Biden's words, I think there's some sense that there will be people in unions pushing back. Yeah, yeah. And then we look at like a, a microcosm if we with France and they said, all right, everyone has to get vaccinated and you have to show your card when you go to places. Um, and uh, there was pushback. There were a few, uh, there was a lot of protests, upheaval. Oh my gosh, the newspaper. And yet they stuck to it. And now it's like, no, okay, <laughs> this, this is our, this is what we do now. Yeah. And so that one, that one's like the most black and white because there are, there are layers, but there are expectations being set. And then the accountability of my own mental health. So in one of our ERG meetings with this organization, um, one of the employees said, we need, I think we call it EAPs. The, right. um, the employee right? assistant programs. That's right. We need people on site. People are going to be stressed. We need just getting to the office. You need, you company need to have people on site to help us manage that. It gets a little bit into the space conversation. We need places for respite. We need places where someone is just, and maybe those things happened before the pandemic. This is just, you know, increasing that visibility to people need more than just come to work and go to work and sit at your desk. Yes. What do I do when I'm having those moments and that accountability? There's certainly been a time where people say it's on you. You figured out how to bring your best yep. self to work. And now the question is, is that even in a company's best interest or is it their best interest to say we need to do what we can? Life's really complicated right now, especially, and we want to be part of that solution. You know, we've oh, seen. So true. Um, I it's almost like it. who's accountable to make sure I'm happy or uh, I'm accountable to make you happy. Right. You can get into right. so many different la layers there. You're exactly right. Um, so we've seen a few things like this, um, working with a global law firm who now has two days a year um, that they they are calling it by their company name, but that everyone is off. So they've increased the days and they've done it two days when everybody everybody will be off. Um, we've seen more sabbaticals. Citigroup is offering a 12 week sabbatical um, and you can buy five extra days of PTO. Nike has um, is giving in the head office a week off to de-stress and recover from COVID. Um, my husband's organization actually added a few days to the PTO schedule. Um, so we're seeing more of that. Um, again, the company saying, we know you need something. And, and if you don't think you have permission to take it, here's what we're doing for it. Oh, that I love that. Which then brings us to the, my, the last topic I wanted to explore with you, which is, what is hybrid? Uh, people say, well, we're going to do hybrid. Or they may say virtual or working at home, and yet it's really not pure, one might say. So what's happening with that? So the word has just taken hold, right? Before the pandemic, we knew many organizations that were either virtual or offered this more flexibility work from anywhere mindset. 
Um, and now we see it all falling under this bucket of hybrid, like you said, as if it's one thing. Well, the flavors that we already see are widespread. So the my concern is that our vocabulary is still all in five days a week. So um, as in come in one day a week, two days a week, three days a week, four days a week, five. I think the simplicity of that may not reflect how business runs, certainly not for all parts of an organization. Then we're seeing, so so there are some like that. There are some organizations who are saying, we expect you two or three days a week, Tuesday to Thursday. And so we're giving you Mondays and Fridays. Others are insisting on Mondays and Fridays in the office so that they don't see all these long weekends. So the organizations have taken both sides of that. Then, then we see some organizations saying two days of the week, everybody is in. And a third day, we expect you to come any of those remaining three days. Other organizations are saying, we expect you in two or three days a week, but you decide. Yeah. And um, I think that's good to sort of see those tests happening. I still wonder how many of us have a typical Monday and a typical Tuesday. And maybe I just don't want life to be that regimented. But what do you do when you're in the client business and the client meeting is on Monday or you're a manager and the client meeting and your employee says, but we don't come in on Mondays. That's right. Back to the accountability and influence who gets to decide what to do. Oh, that's so much. Bringing up the customer actually hit it home because even if I want to be very innovative and I, uh, uh, pose to my whole, all these employees, you know what, forget about Saturday and Sunday being the weekend. We got seven days a week. Now within those seven days, play with it, whatever. Yeah. However, as you pointed out, if our customers are taking Saturday and Sunday off, I have a dilemma. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned Rachel accountability where it used to be that the you know, the traditional hierarchical leadership was that the person above you is in charge of your accountability. Right. It sounds like you're saying is, especially in a, uh, in a client facing, right. You know, as a, let's say if I'm a salesperson making a commission, then it's pretty much my accountability because I want to make whatever I want to make when it's not as, as, as easy as, you know, counting the, the amount of dollars you're going to make from a sale. We go back to, I think what you were talking about, which is, you know, the employee and the employee and the employer, or the, the boss manager and the employee sitting down together to really create this sense of accountability. We're, we're going back to accountability. It, it seems to me that, that the, the, the foundational point is accountability. I, as a, as an employer, have a mission and a vision, and and you, have, as an employee, have your own mission and vision and your own your own uh, goals and aspirations. It does seem like we're we're getting to a place where we're going to really be having those deep. If we haven't been having them before, yeah. it's now no, time. You're... It's now time. So I'm going to say to my boss, you know what? I don't want to make a million dollars a year. I would be happy making a half a million dollars a year. My boss is saying, no, you, you need to make a million dollars a year. And we could say, well, we, you know, we just don't see eye to eye. The issue though, Rachel, or the issue is, is, is for those of us leaders who have, and, and employees who have not had those types of crucial and authentic and fierce conversations, you know, the time is now and it's, I don't know, it's almost more, is it more difficult to have those conversations? Is it, 
Is it easier to have those conversations? I think we have permission to have them, but I don't know that we all have the tools to do it well. There we go. That's it exactly. And so this is back to everyone sitting at that same table. Depending on, on your approach, you have to have an investment on people. And, and that gets said, but let's be specific. On first level management, on how to deal with these situations. What do I do when Mitch says, I'm going to come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Ginny says Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and they have great reason for it, but I really need them to be here two of the same days, or I need them to be flexible to come when we're going to have a staff meeting on either one of their days or not, right? Or I need to make sure that my organization is creating a scenario where we can be successful, virtual or physical. And I know that's like a sidebar part of this conversation, but we have not seen technology that is scalable, that is really going to make this virtual in-person experience great for all. Oh, what a challenge you threw out there. What a challenge. And I wonder, this will be fascinating to watch in the next, I'd say, two years, how quickly technology can do that. We've we've seen glimpses of it. You can go to some sites and they say, wouldn't this be great? Um, you can go into Rachel's office and knock on the door and it's as if you're really there. Things like that to start happening. We need yeah. them now. Right now, some of the it's been an underinvested area. Some of the things that we see coming out cannot meet the security protocols of our largest corporations. So, yes, we need the evolution of these ideas. We then need enterprise like scale to them. Um, we also need so- redefinition. Um, we had a wonderful um, person on our podcast who's an expert in cybersecurity, and he noted that when people had to go home, they realized. of their things that they felt were secret didn't have to be secret at all. So they had to go back and redefine all that. And that's what this evolution is forcing. Yeah. So Mitch, I know we went off your specific question there, but I I just think um, this is why I worry about this hybrid, just blanket statements. I think the hard work is in saying to active teams We're going to sit in a room and we're going to figure out and we need to hear the constraints and the opportunities and hope that people can come up with answers better than the ones we can from afar. But, you know, one might think that leaders and managers are going to be in a lot more, even though they don't want to. But if my employees are coming in certain days, some of them come in certain days, others come in others. And that face to face interaction is important. Are we going to see that play out differently? Who's going to make sure that the job description and more than the job description, the white space we live in, the innovation we, we try to bring beyond the job description, how is that happening? And I think you, we might have talked about this, the CEO of the Washington Post, who really got pushback from her employees, who said, if you're not going to be here, I'm paraphrasing, I might as well handle uh, higher contractors. And if, I don't, if you're not coming in for the birthday cake at the end of the month and so on, now her employees said, that cake's not that good, if that's what you really think this is about. But you understand her intent and to have this, think about how many of these conversations have to happen in any decent sized organization to make it work for all. And the other side of that is fine. We're just going to set a rule. We can't handle this. This is too hard. Here's the new rule. Right, right, right. Which would not surprise us. Probably not that inspired organization we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
<clears throat> I think the greatest um, idea coming out of this this uh, conversation is is to really come up with several solutions. So let's suppose solution A and B and C. I think that you know one of the one of the great things of using you as a resource is you've you've seen the A and the B and the C and the D and the E and the F. Whereas for many organizations, all their A is is what they used to do. Right. Uh, and then I do think it's it's nice to be able to put a couple solutions out there and say, hey, let's talk about the pros and cons of A and the pros and cons of B and the pros and cons of C. And that's the way you're going to get a lot of dialogue around different areas. I know that the hybrid, which is we're, you know, we're weak, we're weak beings, we're weekly beings. So we speak in terms of Monday and Friday, whereas, you know, I'm working with some companies where it's basically we're going to get together one full week a quarter. Mm-hmm. And then maybe one week. So there's all different ways to okay. uh, to skin the cat to to come up, and a lot of it comes down to well, well, okay, is this? And I think we talked about this on fairness. Uh, fairness was our, with our last conversation, which was, you know, it might be that certain parts of the company need to get together more than other parts of the company. Other parts of the company might not ever need to get together. So Mitch, before you asked me, you know, how are companies doing this? And I still think the one thing I'm not seeing and that we're not doing is we are not asking teams of people the set of questions together. Yes. So I would venture to say that if every organization has sales, engineering, finance, right? There's like, yes, we know this. Yes. Go ask a group of people in each of those, set out some ideals and go ask them for the solutions together. Tell them it's going to be hard in this room. But if we were given full jurisdiction for making this decision, what would we do? And if those look different for different parts of your organization, accept that. You might now have your A through F because others will probably fit into one of those. Yeah, But we're not, we're not yet um, having those really complex conversations to see what would they solve for. Everyone's sitting and waiting for someone at a big desk to tell them. You know what I've also what I've also seen, Rachel, is when the leader slash owner is in the room with the team, versus when the leader slash owner is not in the room. There's two conversations. Yes. You know, and so that's another impediment, I think, to to that honesty. And it, it goes is. to um, uh, do they have the tools to have that conversation? And maybe this is where some expert dialogue consultants can be there to to break down that leadership influence and, and and create a real discussion. Um, Because that's a great one. I've seen that happen too. I'm often asked as a consultant, should we be in the room? The people who hire us, should we be in the room? Uh My answer typically is yes. (laughs) Because if this is an organization where that body has a say, no, we might not hear everything, but you can't remove that. So if, if the leader in the room changes the expectations of its employees, then to some extent, that's how that organization runs. Yes. And I sense that we'll get more um, executable solutions, not the off the cuff ones that once the leader hears them, they're going to say, no way are we doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally true. Totally true. So have the right discussions, 
help um, institutions have those discussions with the tools of dialogue and openness, create certain amount of parameters. Uh, you know, an organization can sit down and say, here's why we exist. Here's our vision and mission. And over the next five years, we feel these six things are necessary in order to even be here to give you a job. I do find that the best we've seen are the organizations where that senior leadership has absolutely drawn their value proposition, their business strategy first, their talent strategy, who you are and why we need you here to drive that. And third, where we work. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Lovely. Mitch? I think uh, this has been an, an incredible conversation uh, and only the, just the beginning of many conversations. And so we'll have Rachel back tomorrow, right, Jenny? <laughs> just keep it. It's, it's got to get its own name, a different name now. <laughs> yeah. The, the, Rachel, the Rachel Anywhere podcast. Let's see Delta go down 30%. Then we can have another thing to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, God yeah. willing it will. Um, I'm just, you know, you know, looking at this podcast, we, you know, we've really covered, you know, who owns the decision um, going forward as a team, who's accountable for the decision, what are the varying uh, degrees and definitions of hybrid. Uh, And what I'm really walking away from is, again, is uh, this pandemic, as horrible as it is, is, is causing us to get closer and more real uh, in ensuring what our needs are and being open to our needs. And those needs have always been there. Working moms have always needed more time. Yes. Working dads have always needed. More. New definitions. Yes. It's, it's a social upheaval. Yeah. The planet doesn't need people driving two hours each way to work, at least in California. And, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it's, it's time for us all to take a breath and, and appreciate. The word is really appreciate what the world is trying to tell us and come up with better solutions. So I said, Rachel, you know, stair-stepping together uh, these solutions and seeing if they work and maybe taking a step down and moving back up. So a great, thank you again, Rachel, for being. Rachel, just um, wonderful. Thank you. And uh, and thank you, Cushman Wakefield, for uh, bringing us, Rachel. And uh, I just want to say, hey, thank you to our listeners. Thank you, Ginny. And uh, we look forward to another episode of Team Anywhere. Until then, please share this episode with your friends, your colleagues, your loved ones. And we will see you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere.